and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kearns, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring some of our favorite beers and breweries to life. How are we doing, folks? Episode 159. I really think that everyone's really going to enjoy this episode. Not only is Garrett a really talented artist he has a really great story a good perspective an appreciation for you know his craft doing what he loves and just kind of uh, going for it you know i really one of the things that really resonated with me other than the fact that he's just a little bit older than me so i got no need for shade we got along really well so not trying to uh, add fuel but just kind of uh his perspective on just kind of getting started and so much more to come and i think that's really important I know that during these unique times, spending a lot of time at home, you know, my spare bedroom is now office slash storage slash production and podcast and, you know, and the list goes on and on. But you really, you really appreciate what you're doing. You know, I, I, I love being here each and every week. I love sharing, you know, people's stories. I look forward to announcing season 15 and all the new artists that we have for that. And I love when I get folks who are listening for the you know first time. You know, I feel that while many of us have been disconnected, I've tried to really, uh, in my professional life, use this opportunity to actually connect more with people. I think people are, you know, there is a sense of kind of re- being removed and loneliness that's out there, and people are, are willing to, you know, chat a little bit more. We can definitely agree or disagree or argue on the uh, capacity for more Zoom calls or less or kind of where you, you feel about that or if you magically seem to have technical difficulties when the you know person uh, sends you one and you're supposed to be on the video portion of it. But people want to talk, people want to connect, you know, people are willing to try things outside of the box. And I think that's been really uh, a positive, you know, the glass half full, so to speak. Um, and so there's two folks that, you know, have been connecting and they say they listen. So this is always uh, one of those tests. So just want to, uh, you know, say thanks to uh, Kenny and Frankie for, uh, you know, for your friendship and your support. And it, uh, it's appreciated and, you know, it means a lot. Um, you're listening to 16 Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the socials. All the places to be. We keep it simple. 16OZCanvas. And that's 16OZCanvas.com. You're obviously listening to us, so we thank you however you found us. My name is AJ, so don't hesitate to get in touch. AJ at 16OZCanvas.com is the email address. It is me, it is myself, and it is I. We are the Royal We, and we help keep it uh, going here each and every week. But this week's guest, as we said before, is... Garrett Moreland, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-M-O-R-L-A-N, and you can find his work on Instagram at Garrett Moreland Art, and then if you're just getting a little crazy and want to find out some more, go for it, please do so, head on over to GarrettMoreland.com, check out the store, it's all, you know, linked up from the, the stories and the posts we have, and you can just see some of the really cool work that he's doing and just dropped since we last spoke. Um, one of the great artists that he works with um, fairly regularly are near and dear to us, the Avid Brothers. 
and it's really cool. And again, I think that in times of, you know, I was going to say in times of trouble, but then somebody would probably would say, you know, Mother Mary comes to me. But I think during times like this, you know, the uncertainty comes innovation. And I think that good things are going to come. I think it's still, you know, I still think you should wear that fucking mask. You know, again, wear a mask. You know, we should have commissioned Garrett to draw some of our favorite people just wearing masks. I mean, come on. But, you know, science, data, you know, I don't, I'd say we can argue that, but we really can't. So one of the cool things that they are doing, the Avid Brothers, um, is at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is one of the largest uh, screens in the country. They're doing a drive-in style concert, uh, one of the one of the first of its of its size. Uh, a few folks have also done it, but uh, to this scale, I think is going to be really cool. And he did a kind of a, you know a country vibe, uh, kind of Dukes of Hazard homage uh, to. You know, two for that, and uh, they made a, I don't know if they made a poster of it, but I definitely think it's going to be some a shirt and stickers and, and what have you. So I think that's, uh, I mean, we love the Avits. You know, we'll play some of their music uh, later on as some of the beds. And um, just really, uh, you know, really nice to have that, you know, connection, which we discuss later on in the episode. So one more bit of uh, administrative. You know, we're talking about the glass being uh, half full. You've probably seen on Instagram our stories uh, sharing the wonderful posts and, you know, uh, pictures of our awesome, amazing glass that we collaborated with our good friend Ryan Adams. Ryan writes on things on Instagram, better letter hand design out of Maine, but we do still have some glasses that are available. I think we're down the last... Uh, I don't know how that comes in the boxes. I don't know. Last uh, do, you know, last few dozen, you know, maybe maybe less. But you know, in the last week or so, we've definitely sold a lot. Uh, we are going to Maine in May. Uh, May. I don't even fucking know what month it is. Uh, later in August, and so the the goal there would be hopefully to to sell out and be able to hand deliver uh, from a distance. Maybe just throw the check. You know, just throw it. Let me crumple it up and just throw it at them. And yeah, that'd be kind of. Uh, uh, kind of dickish to do, but you know we're really excited again. Uh, it says, "Be a good human." And his geometric, you know, shape, graffiti, unique style lettering, which I love. Uh, you, you may see his work now. Um, you know, which is one of the cooler stories through the connection we made uh, with him through 12%, and now he's doing labels for Short Throw Brewing who made this bomb-ass uh, imperial stout with maple syrup and, I think, vanilla that was to die for. Check them out, short throw brewing. But 25% of all the proceeds go to our, our friends and the staff at Standard Gastro Pub in Bridge to Maine. 25% of the proceeds go to the crew over at High Roller Lobster uh, in Portland, Maine. And then uh, the other 25% of this section go to Navari Beer Reds uh, Cafe in Portland, Maine also. And then the final 25% uh, as we expanded the run of glasses, which was just a smart idea. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That 25% goes to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. We do not make a single penny off of this, and I could not be happier, and I cannot be more appreciative of all of you who have already ordered that. But if you've not done so... And this commercial is now going to end. It's 16ozcanvas.com backslash store. They're 20 bucks plus shipping. Uh, if you're local in Connecticut, we'll find a way. That means you can you know, come and pick it up. 
or you know if you're out and about in in, in the area or we're, we're hiking we'll get that to you so we are really blessed we're really appreciative of that and it inspires us to maybe want to do more you know good things in the future and together i am just really excited for for this uh you know we're just in a great spot folks we're coming to the end of season 14 we got a kick-ass liner for season 15 we are just full steam ahead and this is a great episode for that journeys appreciation mad magazine live music jerry garcia i mean there's just so many goodies in this episode it is just time to sit back relax let the music take you a little bit, man. Now these eyes of the world jams are killer. And uh, this is Mr. Garrett Moreland, right here on the 16-ounce canvas, episode 159. And as we like to say, I don't know how you feel about it, but we've already kind of, uh, as I say when you play poker, we're already pot committed on this weirdness. 159, sorry folks, is not a prime number. So let's get into it. Episode 159, the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Care Fear podcast. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. Very excited to have with us today, checking in from Seattle, Washington, Mr. Garrett Moreland. You can follow along to see his work online at Garrett. We'll spell it out for you later. Garrett Moreland Art on Instagram, and then GarrettMoreland.com. We came to learn of Garrett because we're huge music fans. Uh, The work that he does with the portraits, uh, a lot of them. Uh, that I've come to love, or a big Ava Brothers fan, you know, the work with B.B. King, Willie Nelson, you know, there's a, recently Dave Chappelle, and the list goes on and on. If so, you, if you're not following along with his Instagram, please do so. And then he's a great example of someone that we were, you know, fell in love with their work and trying to find that, you know, or hoping that they had done labels. And we came to learn through some research uh, that he's done labels for Bellevue. Uh, Brewing, uh, which is also in Washington State. So, Garrett, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, we're big fans of your work and have been for some time. And uh, it's really nice to have an opportunity to, to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and uh, thanks for the kind words. Oh, yeah. It just I, I, I love what you do. And, you know, it's when... I see people who do music, label, you know, music-related stuff. It's it's always cool, and I, I have a big appreciation for music. It's really important with our family. But then, when you're capturing some of the, you know, these artists that have just like that are played in our house all the time, you know, Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and the Ava Brothers. It's just kind of and just the way you bring these people to life, and uh, it's it's really it's really great. So just again, I'm a big fan, and. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to talking to you. So you're in Seattle by way of of Brooklyn, um, and uh, I believe you went to Pratt. So kind of uh, this is this is your big your big uh, you know area where you talk probably the most. So what's kind of the you know what's your story, Garrett? How did you you know find your your calling and just uh, your your creative you know yeah your your creative uh, gift? I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah, sure. That's a, it's a, it's a long story, but I mean, so they're, they're yeah, the best I'm ones, man. Yeah. Seattle. The floor is yours. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm currently in Seattle, but, um, I was born actually in a small town in Northeast Ohio, uh, near Youngstown, um, which is where my mom and dad are from originally. And, uh, they moved to Texas when I was about a month old in Dallas. I, I lived there until I was about five. And then 
moved back to Ohio. And when I moved back to Ohio, I got to be close to my grandparents again because they weren't obviously in Texas. And so one of the like founding moments early on of my artistic career was or starting me down that path was a couple of things. First of all, my my dad needed some way to keep me calm because I was a pretty hyper kid, as most kids are. But um, so he would take this huge paper calendar he had on his desk and flip it over and put it on the floor and sit and draw with me. And he wasn't really an artist so much, but he he would write down sentences and make me illustrate them or draw three lines and make me turn it into something. So kind of things that would jumpstart my creativity. But it wasn't until I was maybe eight or nine that my grandma was babysitting me and we were at the grocery store and she bought me a mad magazine. And that was, that was it, man. That was, I was totally sold. I was in it. You know, mad magazine was, was my jam, especially because, you know, my parents weren't really artists. You know, my dad was pretty creative, but I just set, spent hours and hours and hours uh, copying Mort Drucker and Sam Viviano and um, Sergio Agrones and a lot of those guys, but started to really get a love for caricature and understand how to draw faces and also how to distort them and still make it look like them. So that was like kind of an early cornerstone for me. And it, it, I knew from then on that I wanted to be an artist. And so going up through junior high and high school in Northeast Ohio, um, you know, I was just had good art teachers. I had a great art teacher in, uh, in high school who actually went to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. And she said, Garrett, man, that's where you got to go. And I looked at a bunch of art schools across the country, Cal Arts, um, Savannah College of Art and Design, Maryland Institute, uh, SVA in New York, Parsons. Anyway, I I fell in love with Pratt, you know, and it was a good recommendation from my high school teacher. But that I also knew that I wanted to get out of Ohio and move to New York, move to a more progressive and uh, you know, artistic city for music and uh, art. And so, yeah, I went to Pratt then in the mid nineties. It was uh, kind of cool to transplant to Brooklyn, New York from the Midwest. And, you know, at, at 18, you're a sponge, you know, you're not, you don't have much fear. So it was, it was a good time to, to get out there and uh, move to New York and, I'll never forget, like, within my first two weeks of art school being like thinking I was I was the shit, you know, I thought, man, I was I was the artist in my hometown. But then I moved to New York and went to art school and I was just a little minnow in a huge ocean, you know, so I think that was really humbling and important too to kind of start start my early like real focus on art as a career. So, and then I, uh, when I was at Pratt, I studied communication design, which is illustration, advertising, uh, um, graphic design. And I had also, so I kind of got to touch on all these things about how using imagery and art helps tell a story. So I think that was, and Pratt really focused on conceptual first, 
and less skill because there are other schools out there that'll teach you how to paint, you know, step by step. But Pratt's being kind of a, a long line of uh, huge artists and, and, you know, just this really highly reputable worldwide art school. And it was an honor to be there. They really, they really push your ability to tell the story and make sure that there's substance behind what you're communicating. So that was uh, really important to me in terms of me growing as an artist. And then I just had a bunch of other really amazing uh, art professors at Pratt as well. Rudy Gutierrez was amazing. Um, he was one of my pivotal, pivotal and most influential uh, teachers there at Pratt. Um, George Pratt, which is no relation, um, is a great comic artist, has done like Wolverine covers and Batman covers and many of his own uh, comics over the years, just an insanely talented oil painter, watercolorist, uh, you name it. So just having those kind of early influences helped push me, you know, and when you're around so many other talented people, you're kind of pushed to get better. So that's kind of like the early, early days up through college. Um, so I love, I love the fact you said that, you know, with your, your dad, right? You said that he would just give you kind of like ideas, like to kind of vibe off of and create and, you know, push it as a, as a father, you know, I see my kids and they have, they have passions and things that I don't necessarily, I can't, I can't figure out the, the lineage of it, but I definitely am just like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta get it, get in however I can here and you know, be a part of it, you know, if it's watching some weird YouTube video that I think is amazing or just what, you know, so looking back at what our parents did for us and how they, you know, do what they did, you know, as a parent, it's been a cool lens to look through. So I, I just love that part of your story. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it, you know, and as a father myself now with young kids, like I, I don't tell them how to make their art. I just let them, because art, you know, should be something that's for you. It's your way to express. And, you know, I, I appreciated that my dad, you know, and my mom too, but my dad was uh, really into creative thought. And, um, you know, he just encouraged me to, you want to be an artist? You absolutely, you can do it. Um, just, you know, be the most successful that you can be. So having that encouragement, but also a pragmatic thing. It's like, you know, you got to try to figure out a way to make a, a living out of this because they, you know, he wasn't shy to be like, you know, starving artist theme, but um, yeah, it was, it was super important to have that uh, in, influence and encouragement early on. So. Yeah. I think it's really important and um, we're probably about the same age. And I, I just think that, you know, back in the day, the idea of being an artist or a designer as a career was something that was just kind of like, oh, get a job, you hippie. Like, like it wasn't. Just, it just didn't have like the same. It didn't have the same love. I remember early days doing web design and, and stuff like that, and it was just like, oh, why would you do that? Or well, that's not a, you know, that's not a career. Or the idea that you that people wouldn't go to college like traditional, you know, university was like frowned upon. And I think that you know, as a society, we've definitely. I think we're at a new kind of dawn or age of that. And I think it's just been really great, you know, with, with trade schools and people just knowing, you know, I, I love you saying you knew from Mad Magazines. Like, I remember getting those, and I just thought it was like, they're definitely a little, like, 
adult humor and you're kind of like, do my parents get what the, these puns are? And you kind of felt like cool. <laughs> and then you would like, and then, I mean, I later, uh, Nadine Simone, this woman that we, we, I met through music, used to work at Mad Magazine and she would do, you know, she would do all these illustrations and drawings for them. And uh, we met her, I met her through just uh, New York and New Jersey music scene because she would do posters for bands like Government Mule and, you know, when I managed a band, you know, she did a few for right. us, and it was just amazing. She like she was like, oh, I work at Mad Magazine, and I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know, like I that those folding back cover pages were like that to me was like my mind exploded. I I, I had stacks of those. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, and that kind of opened the door for like comic books and uh, other things where I could. You know, like, of course, I was super into X-Men and uh, uh, but it wasn't until I started finding more independent comics, like the early the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Cerebus and some of these like black and white indie things. And I was also into Spawn and some of the things that came out in the early 90s. But, um, you know, like that, I, I would draw those, too. But. That Mad Magazine really just set, you know, like foundation to like, not only was it creative and funny, and like you said, had a lot of probably adult humor that we didn't get early yeah, on, but, yeah. or you kind of, you kind of knew that maybe you shouldn't be reading this, but, uh, you know, thanks grandma for buying it for me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, you, I would like read it and like, kind of like do like the side eye, like, uh, is this a joke? Like, are you trick? Am I tricked here? Like, this is... Yeah, you know, really, you know, it was more than, like it was uh it was high level like dick jokes and fart jokes, but it was like this I really and totally. to, and to your point there's probably a ton, I mean, if I go back there's probably a ton of like political and social commentary that like I completely missed. But it was just like right. The drawings were I mean, amazing. It, that was really cool cuz it was just in, and I, I haven't thought about that for a while. Um but just the the detail of those drawings were so amazing for, you know, and they were using it to kind of be silly it was just like it, it was a uh, that's inspired so many people right and i i definitely went down the the comic book i wasn't hardcore but i remember i definitely remember i remember getting spawn like in todd mcfarland's work and i was just like holy crap like this is amazing like this is a comic book like what this doesn't it didn't it was like a whole nother level of stuff for me yeah yeah for sure and you know it's it was it was all that that also had like Mad Magazine and comics that always always had this very graphic and heavy illustrative approach. You know, and you were talking about like uh, like in our day uh, for us growing up is like being in web design or graphic design was not. I mean, web design didn't even exist until I was almost going to graduate college as a career. But you know. At, when I was at Pratt, all of my professors and the dean of my department was like, Garrett, you have to be an illustrator, man. You're fucking good. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't make money doing that. And, and I can't be a fine art, you know, like to be an artist then in the nineties was you were a fine artist, you know, right. and like there was some graffiti, there were some graffiti artists and illustrators that were popular, like Shepard Ferry was, you know, been around since the eighties, but um, you didn't really, you didn't break into galleries with illustration work. And, and so, and that was something that I thought was, would validate me as an artist was to do painting and be in galleries. And, but, you know, of course, over the years, like 
the dot-com era kind of, you know, made careers for graphic designers and everybody became a web designer, even if they didn't have any artistic merit. But, um, and so, and that's where I kind of felt like having uh, the ability to draw and be an illustrator actually made me a better designer and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Because it really, you're really designing something, you know, it's about composition and color and balance, the same, same, uh, fundamentals for both sides and communication and so so my love for graphic design and and making logos and icons you know has heavily influenced my work especially going into gig posters and things because I have a love for typography and I know how to integrate it so that it's fun and legible and balanced and uh, whether I use a font or hand draw it you know it's that's important and there was, you know, I, I started my own graphic design company in 2004 in New York City, and I kind of stopped drawing for a while because my focus was really on building my business and with my partners and doing the work that we needed to do to be successful, obviously. So I didn't draw for a while. And then um, I happened to visit my alma mater one day because it was still there in Brooklyn. And I just stopped in to say, hey, and they're like, oh, Garrett, guess what? You're teaching illustration next semester. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I like, so so and so so and so can't come back, and we need and and you're perfect fit. In fact, if you want to teach uh, graphic design too, we have a couple open classes there. And I was like, you know what? I'm I'm in, but I'll just do the illustration. And and for me, that was also hugely pivotal because it it made me realize how much I miss drawing, um, the importance and it, and the importance of it to my career as a graphic designer and an illustrator and a painter and an artist. And at that point I was 29 years old and I was teaching a bunch of 19 year olds. And while I didn't feel, I still felt very much like a kid, um, that 10 year difference made a huge, you, you realize how much you had learned over that time. And, and I had students that were just like, uh, I only took this class because I have to, or why can't I use my computer instead of drawing? Mm-hmm. And I'm, or, or I'm just a graphic design major, you know, or an advertising major. I'm not really a great drawer. And I'm like, this is art school. I mean, you're one of the best art schools in the world. Let's, let's trust me, getting to be better at drawing and getting to be better at um, illustration and how you solve a problem. Um, conceptually and visually will make you a better graphic designer. I guarantee it. And so kind of setting that foundation because that's what, that's what I'd learned. So to be able to kind of set that foundation was important. And then every other week I would do like a painting demo or um, have figure draw live figure drawing um, every other week while I reviewed their sketches, they could, you know, draw from the model. Mm-hmm. And so all those things were super important and it was, but it was also important for me because it, it made me, it forced me to get back into illustration more. Um, so, and then, and then in 2009, I moved out to Seattle with my wife who's from out here originally. And I, w- I was ready for a change. I'd been in New York long, long enough. And I was also kind of exhausted from the city. I, I didn't go to museums anymore uh, or rarely, you know, I wasn't really, except, I mean, I'm a huge music lover, obviously. Um, 
from from looking at my work, but music. I went to shows three times a week. You know, New York City. Mm. You know, just the best clubs ever. You know, you can go see every band, big or small, in a tiny venue, and, and that was super pivotal. And the in Brooklyn and Manhattan and in New Jersey, you know, like Maxwell's and Hoboken. And I just was going to see bands all the time. And then I started doing my friends, gig posters and their album art. And, you know, it's just like, this is, this is fun. I'm not making any money, but this is what I want to do. You know, mix my love of, uh, mix my love of music and uh, art. And so when I moved to Seattle, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm hitting the reset button. I'm going to start rebuilding my portfolio, redefining my personal illustration style and, and start pushing that. So, and I started with drawing musicians because music is so important to me. I mean, it's from listening to my grandfather's Cab Calloway and Duke Ellington records when I was a kid or um, my mom and dad's uh, Santana albums and looking at those fucking cool record albums you know and all the art was just super influential so when i started rebuilding my portfolio when i moved out to seattle i just started drawing any and every band i was currently listening to or um, musicians that i loved or just pivotal musicians whether it was jimmy hendrix or um David Johansson or punk rocker, you know, uh, Joe Strummer from The Clash. I love The Clash. So, you know, just would, was trying to just build it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what kind of reinvigorated my need to create and, and get more into music. Yeah. Yeah, folks, you go to, uh, so we'd spell it out for you, Garrett Moreland Art. It's uh, Garrett with two R's and two T's. Moreland is M-O-R-L-A-N, Art. And you can just, I mean, there's just, you can just go through and I just, you know, uh, we're just going back in time as we're, we're talking and listening and just seeing, like, it's just really, you know, it's really impressive just to see all the great, you know, artists that you've, you know, you've used to, you know, bring your, you know, to, to the idea that you use those to kind of get back into your love is just, uh, you know, it's really awesome. There's just, you know, some of my favorites, obviously, are, you know, Jim Henson. You got, you know, Fife. You know, there's a, I'm a big Grateful Dead friend. You know, the, the Jerry Garcia. You did a you know, poster and an album cover for, you know, uh, you know work there. Uh, I was talking about the Avits. There's just, you know, it's just countless. You know, you're, I can tell you're like The Walking Dead, or at least uh, it was a good muse period for you. And, yeah, it's just it's just really great. Now, what do you? Because some of them are, are the you can see the kind of the some have like thicker lines and um, or like the there's different periods of time. What are your kind of what are the the tools of the trade that you're using now? Is there certain you know brush pens you're using, pencils? You know what's uh what are the the tools of the trade here? Yeah, it, it varies. Um, from project to project, um, like nothing for me beats pencil on paper. You know, I like obviously my pencil drawings, there's a lot of them. And, and part of the reason I do that is because I can sit down and jam out a pencil drawing in the course of a night after the kids go to bed and feel like I'm done. 
Um, whereas, so there, there's a lot of pencil and I just have a lot more control. And I, so I love to use like a really fine tip um, mechanical pencil with super soft lead. That way it gets real like kind of buttery, rich richness to the lines. And that way I can get the nice hatching and motion going with that. So that's kind of where I do my pencil, but that kind of stuff doesn't lend itself super well to like gig posters, especially when they need to be silk screened. So that's where I kind of, you know, if, if you're looking at my work, you know, some of the Avid Brothers stuff or you know, the majority of the posters, it's not super thin line weight. I think the Willie Nelson poster I did for his tribute show um, back in two, 2019 was is a good example of where I did a really fine uh, rendering uh, illustration of his face with pencil. And then I redrew it in ink with a uh, Pentel brush pen, which is awesome because it's basically like using a nice fine tip uh, or like a, a nice brush um, and dipping it in the ink, except you don't have to ref dip it or ref you know, you refill it every time the Thing runs out but you don't have to dip it all the time so once I found the, the brush pens like I never went back because you know how many times I knocked over my like little thing of ink and I still do but <laughs> I still use ink and splatter it with toothbrushes and things like that to get splatter effects but like in the Willie Nelson piece I did I, I had the pencil drawing but I used that as the base and then I inked Willie's face in a more graphic thick approach that way it could be used as a logo it could be silk screened on t-shirts it could be silk screened for the poster itself and then to create some of the other tones like um, I actually vectorized in Adobe Illustrator my pencil drawing which by vectorizing it actually thickened the lines a little bit and I was able to make that like the secondary tone of his face so that pencil drawing didn't go to waste, but mm -hmm. you just don't get to see it in its in its pure glory. But that was all like hand ink, um, and and there's nothing nothing that like I said beats ink on paper, pen right on paper. I have uh, a Wacom Cintiq in my home studio, which is great, and it's great to color and clean up things on it. And I do occasionally do full drawings directly on that um, sometimes it speeds up the process and you don't have to scan things in or find a, a huge drum scanner to scan something but nothing for me nothing beats like drawn directly on paper so that's kind of that's kind of my go-to I mean I love to do gouache and um, watercolors when I can but it's just it adds time and complexity to my life that I don't have a lot of right now, <laughs> a lot of free time to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to go back and take some like proper uh, Dutch painting, you know, oil painting classes and get really good at that. But, you know, right now I, you know, I'm enjoying being able to get the drawings done, get the ink drawings done and add color digitally, um, you know, just for time and cleanliness. So, that's kind of the main process, but the ink drawings are still always, you know, super close to my heart. Love to just ink and, you know, get some, get some washes. There's these brushes that come with like a, uh, like a 
a reservoir attached to the bottom. You just squeeze the water. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but it's it's pretty cool. So like I'll draw an ink drawing and then I'll just squeeze the water and kind of re-wet the ink that's already there. So it's kind of just gives you some tones that are a little cool tool to have. Yeah. So. And I really like the like the splatters, it kind of has like a Ralph, you know, Stedman kind of like a vibe to it, which I, you know, some of the Walking Dead and, you know, a few of the other ones, I think like oh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum has like a bunch of like pink splatters and stuff. I just think it's like a nice, you know, uh, textured level to add to it. And it, it really, uh, yeah, it really works. And that, and so the cool part is these, the, the drawings, especially the, you know, a lot of them just, they just sit there on their own, and that's what's really powerful about it. Like, is this the the comfort of, of and, I, and if you've folks have heard me say it before, but I just love the use of you know white space, and so just the drawings on, you know, pure white backgrounds are just really, uh, there it really is something that r- resonates, and I'm a I'm a big fan of that. I just think that it, you know, black and white is just really powerful, and so it, it works really well. Yeah, for sure. And thanks, man. I mean, it's like, I, I love drawing. I love the way it looks, you know, and, and I've, one of the, one of the big things that I continued to do and still do today, but like when I was continuing to refine my style, I mean, I was, I was inspired and continue to be inspired by so many awesome artists out there as well. It's like, you're never too old to keep refining and growing, but one of the things that just kind of clicked with me in the last maybe, I don't know, five, six years, maybe even less was you can, you got to take your time. Like I used to feel like I'd sit down and do a quick drawing and never even think about throwing it away. Like now I go back and I do several sketches, you know, thumbnails and, and get the, get the understanding of what I want to do before I just, do the pieces that you know you, you see you just but it, it was also like getting the attention to detail really like spending the time drawing somebody's nostril you know <laughs> getting all the subtle nuances in there or the wrinkles under a, a person's eyes these are the things that you know help bring it to life and adding that extra texture and attention like I used to just maybe I was being lazy but until that clicked I feel like you know, I was able to sort of really help develop my style even that much further by, you know, because there are a lot of people out there that can draw amazing, like, perfect portraits. It looks just like a photo. But to me, that's, you know, loses its enjoyment factor for me. I mean, there's, there's room for that for sure. But for me, it's just like, I want to put my spin on it. And so... are back you're listening to episode 159 garrett moreland 16 ounce canvas now what do you think folks humble talented hardworking, good perspective and insight i think that it's very relatable i like to try you can you know really strip down some stuff and look at people's journey you know what they're doing the challenges trying something new 
And I just, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a big deal me leaving Philadelphia to live in Connecticut as, you know, as a, as a personal challenge. But moving, you know, from, you know, uh, New York to Seattle is a little crazy to me. But it works, and he's in a great spot. We'll talk about that later, about his, you know, his company there. We'll talk about, you know, get more advice, more music, you know, his process, learning. You know, this band right here, Super Sonic Soul Pimps. Catchy, catchy. I'm digging it. I, you know, it was kind of fun to, to go down the... You know, through some of the tunes on, you know, on the catalog and just, you know, when anyone recommends music or does work with them, we try to get in that headspace. And we say it time and time again, it's just one of our more selfish questions, actually. We just love new music. And so we're down with the uh, supersonic soul pimps and love that Garrett is doing, you know, their poster art and has been doing it for years. It's just, uh, yeah, one of the most recent ones is just, it is killer. It's kind of psychedelic, skeleton, you know, American Indian looking, uh, and it's just, uh, it's really cool to see that, so you can find out more information on garrettmoreland.com, go to the store, pick up some prints, support your local artist, whatever you're doing during this time, I don't agree with some of folks are, you know, how they're handling it and whatnot, but there's a lot of businesses that are just trying to get by, it's literally in some cases a duct tape operation, if you're going to go out to eat, even if it's pickup, just tip a little more than you normally would. And obviously, you know, you don't all of a sudden have extra money and you become rich. But, you know, if you were going to go out to eat, which obviously makes you rethink a lot of things, right? But if you're going out to eat, you get a couple drinks, you know, whatever, overpriced, right? Rip off, agreed. But, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't, and so you don't have to give everything. But just do just a little more than you normally would because it's just important, you know. We can have a debate over takeout versus, you know, whatever, but... If you're going to be, you know, wanting to sit down, I, I don't really have a desire to sit down at a restaurant right now. I think it's, it's kind of weird, and I don't want to, you know, be served by somebody wearing a mask and, like, being in this little area and, like, having stress while I'm eating. It's, like, a nice release and get to go out and see the town, maybe get dressed up a little bit, you know. You know, the way the way I'm bobbing and weaving telling this, it was like I was going to, like, maybe like, I go dancing, but, you know, it doesn't really happen. But anyway... That's all I'm going to say. Just, you know, in the service industry, you know, if you're doing curbside, you know, someone's coming to your house and delivering it, which has been awesome, you know, just, just throw a couple bucks. You know, I just think it really helps. I think it's just kind of, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, this could be, you know, like this for a while, you know. If, and then if, you, you know, if all of a sudden you're clear to go outside or whatever phase you need to be at in your town and your favorite place isn't there anymore, you know, don't, you know, don't come crying to me. But let's keep it positive. Support your local artists. You know, we've got so many great artists here. You know, like I said, we have our, our fundraiser glass, which uh, helps, you know, some businesses in Maine. You know, uh, goes towards our staff who has been affected by COVID. NAACP Legal Defense Fund. You know, be a good human. You know, all simple things, you know, to live by. We've been throwing in some, you know, random bonus uh, gifts in a few of the boxes. You know, we just kind of uh, pull numbers out of a hat and, you know, try to, surprise folks so we're blessed this is a great you know episode for that for appreciation you know as i said you know i love i just love not only do i love the work i love that like it makes me think of music and then so it has this other you know feeling and sensory thing to it so i think it's great i think that you're great 
I think that we're really appreciative of you here. You know, while you're listening or afterwards, you know, if you're at Apple or wherever it is that you're getting your music on, just leave a review, click some stars. You know, all the cool kids are doing five. I'm not that cool, but I would still click five. And we appreciate you. You know, we appreciate your time. We thank you for being here. And now we got one more, you know, part to get to. So here it is, part two, episode 159, Garrett Moreland, 16-ounce canvas. Still sit back and relax. Enjoy, my friends. You have these kind of characters and these portraits of folks. What is, since, I mean, I would love to think that you're hanging out with the Black Keys and, you know, Sam Cooke and Phil Lesh and everybody, and there's like, draw me like one of your French girls, right? But it's like, that's not what's happening. So like, how are you, what is that, what is that process like? Are you going, you know, through different are you catalog like are you just trying to find that perfect photo or do you look at their their you know their body features and say okay they have a you know a longer face you know bigger ears a big smile and you try to you know i don't want to say it's like the folks at like the carnivals but you know what i mean like i think the like you have this level of detail and like portrait you know portrait and realism but yet you also create like a vibe and you have these subtle things that you kind of accentuate which is really I think it's part of the story that it tells. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's a great point. I mean, it's funny that you said carnival drawings because like when I was a kid drawing caricatures, even high school or, you know, shit after college, even people are like, Oh, you draw caricatures. You should go work at six flags. And I'm like, come on, man, you know, kind of like trivializes all this hard work. But um, that was also a motivator to be like, no, caricature as an art or an illustration as a field or as a, as an art, you know, a proper art form is it's really hard. And so to kind of go back and answer your first part of your question, it's, you know, you're right. I don't, I don't know most of these people, if any, um, I've, you know, I've met Scott Avid and, uh, we've kind of formed a bit of a, you know, camaraderie, um, by working together because he's an artist, but I don't, you know, I don't know him like a friend and, but yeah, Willie Nelson, you know, I've never, I never, I went to the concert, but I didn't get to meet him. So, uh, and the same for, you know, the Black Keys. I don't know those guys. I don't, obviously I don't know BB King and gone down the line, but so what I, I mean, I think everybody kind of knows celebrity. If you're into somebody, you kind of know their traits. Um, if you watch, if you go see your favorite band, you know how they behave. Um, you know their personalities from interviews. You know, TV stars and movie stars, you know them. Even if they're playing a different character, you kind of know their mannerisms. So there's some of that inherent uh, knowledge that I think you, you kind of know them. Um, it, that helps. So um, you have that, but then you also, then I'll go and I'll grab as many different references. And I, and I, I always try to avoid references that don't look like the person, you know, I'm sure you've seen photos of celebrities that kind of, it's not like the most representative of them, even though it's a photo. So I'll, I'll grab the ones that are kind of iconic or, you know, definitely captures their personality. I'll kind of bring them all up. I'll either print them out or I'll bring them all up on the screen at the same time. And even if I use one as the main reference, I try to pull, you know, different 
mannerisms or exaggerations from other reference. And then when it's just like, you know, when do you choose to exaggerate one thing over the other, it's, you know, you just kind of look for, does does this person have like a really square face? You start with drawing an extra elongated square as the base for the face or, do they have gigantic ears already or they're going to be, they're going to be huge now, <laughs> you know? And so it's, um, I, I feel like a lot of my caricatures too don't necessarily aren't super distorted. Some, some are, some are a little bit more distorted than others, but there's this kind of fine line where it's like, can be a little closer to a portrait. And I think that just comes from like, uh, art following artists as a kid, like Mort Drucker. I mean, his caricatures are are the best in the world. Um, but I never felt like they were super distorted or weird, you know? So that's kind of how I initially approach, but yeah, get lots of reference and kind of, you know, feel out what, what works and what doesn't. Now, the the cool part is that you've drawn a lot like there's a handful of artists i think you mentioned scott before who we're big fans of and i i did the i went back in time and figured out kind of uh how i discovered you or started following you more religiously and it was we saw them in brooklyn i think uh thinking about live music that was i don't even know when that was their last tour and uh the poster you did with the two birds on the on the cross street and so i think that's that was where our uh, our falling in love with with Garrett's you know like we could put a name to the face of somebody we then went through and realized how much of your stuff I had I had already kind of known which was super cool but if you draw drawing the same person more than once like what are you hoping that they've uh, gotten fatter or gotten skinnier grew a beard have a different look I mean is that is that what what kind of is like well I should draw them again if you kind of notice that they're have a different kind of uh, vibe they're going for with their their style so to speak well you know it's it's weird because it's like you kind of gotta if if you're going to draw them one time then you got to kind of find especially if you're talking about like uh willie nelson or something he's very iconic look and he's looked kind of the same for 50 years but you know some people change drastically from their youth to their older ages and so you kind of try to find a a reference or try to get them in there like most recognizable like when I was working on Kenny Rogers stuff I mean I was a fan of Kenny Rogers my mom listened to Kenny Rogers when I was a kid and that's kind of where I remembered him right you know he you know he passed away a couple months ago but he was looking very different you know he had some work done and looking a little botoxy and it almost didn't look recognizable so we just you know i wanted to draw him into more of his like most iconic memorable place but you know when you're talking about like uh the Avery brothers i mean those guys are still you know our age and young and uh but they change their freaking hairstyles every other day man <laughs> it's hilarious um, I'm like, uh, and I've drawn probably Scott David's face more times than just about anybody else because of having worked on a couple posters for them and, uh, some other things, but, you know, like kind of keeping up with he and his brother's different haircuts, uh, oddly enough, they kind of always look the same. Like you can find those, those relatable traits 
it's so, and then you can like mix and match their hairdos. I mean, I, 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 I mentioned that to Scott once. I was like, man, I can't keep up with your haircuts. I mean, am I doing you, am I doing you guys justice? And he just, he laughed it off, you know, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, but I don't know if that really answers the question, but like, I typically, you know, I'm not afraid to draw somebody at their best and at their worst, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like, El- I, you know, like drawing young, cool Elvis and then drawing him, you know, fat and drugged out in the late seventies, <laughs> you know, that's part of, that's part of the story. It's a part yeah. of the story that these people have to tell and, and you can really accentuate that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really great. There's like, the, you know, yeah, you haven't really John Lennon and you can see a long haired, you know, John kind of, uh, you know, towards the end with the Beatles and then you know, the various uh, versions of B.B. King, you know, that smile is just, uh, you know, always just, uh, I don't know, it's infectious. And so it's just good to, you know, you don't some posters for B.B. And so, yeah, I just love it. I mean, I'm a music, I'm a music guy. And so for me, it's just uh, the the gamut of folks who you, you know, practice or capture is, is pretty, pretty amazing. So again, folks, if you haven't had a chance, you please head on over to, to Garrett Moreland. Uh, website.com you can go to garamorlandcreative.com there's a store there you can buy some of these great prints and uh, you obviously support your, your your local artists and what have you so now also though in like kind of like the complete other end of the spectrum from these black and white portraits pencil drawings you know you're you're working you know we, you briefly mentioned it but your your day job you work in gaming which is like completely a different you know avenue you know what's uh yeah, you know, what's I know it's weird to talk about your your day job, but what's you know what what are you doing over there? Yeah, well, it's it, you know it was kind of happened by chance um, because I had been in graphic design. I had my own uh, branding and graphic design company in New York City. I worked in some agencies in New York. I kind of you know built a career in marketing and graphic design. Because I, you know, like I said earlier, I, I knew that I needed to find a career path that also could make money because it's really hard to be, you know, an illustrator or a photographer, you know, doing any kind of freelance work. You know, if I had to rely on doing gig posters right now during the pandemic, it would, I'd be screwed because nobody's touring. You know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I had in the works for this year with some bands um, is on, on hold for who knows how long. And so I'm not getting paid until that happens. So anyway, like to have a career in graphic design and marketing was a good foundation for me to do something where, I mean, it's twofold and then I'll get into my day job, but it's like, I was, I do enjoy graphic design and branding and coming up with that clean iconic, you know, emblem or logo for something. Um, That's also super important to me. So, but I don't have as much emotional attachment to doing a logo for like a bank or something. So I could, but I'll get paid way more. So Hmm. I can just do it real quick, get paid and get out where I might have a lot more investment and love for a piece of illustration that I've done and feel less like I, I need to sell it because I have a day job. Anyway. So when I moved out to Seattle, I was, um, I had shut down my graphic design company in New York, but it was still kind of doing a lot of work with some of the same people. And uh, an old buddy of mine from college uh, said, Oh, you're in Seattle, man. You should, uh, 
you should consider interviewing with us out here for at the video game studio. So I, I was like, I was like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds interesting. You know, insurance sounds good. <laughs> um, and, and my, my son was three months at the time and my wife was about to go back to work and I was going to still be working from home. And this opportunity came up and I interviewed. And so, so basically what I do now is I'm an art director for our marketing uh, and brand development and publishing end of our company. So we help create, uh, the brand identity of our game and our company and kind of uphold that. So it, I'm able to actually do what I was trained in doing in terms of graphic design, brand creation, style guide creation, and kind of upholding that and work on art just in a different way. And it's, it's actually super fun. It's, um, uh, I enjoy going to work. Um, you know, I, I'm inspired. I work with concept artists, you know, that are painting like aliens and environment, crazy alien environments and weapons and armor and amazing uh, 3D artists, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then and we get to make all the cool poster art and the game packaging and the commercials. And so, it, it's cool to be able to like take all of the stuff I've learned over the years and, and bring it into, you know, into the game world. And it's, you know, it's fun to, fun to work on big entertainment like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I... and it, yeah. And it, it, yeah. I was going to say the last thing I'd say about that too, is that it also allows me to have the comfort of having a, a day job, having insurance, and that when I go do gig posters and illustration, it's for me, you know, like, it, like I have, I have the love and the passion for it. So it doesn't, I don't feel stressed. Like, man, when am I going to get my next paycheck? So. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a gamer person. I mean, I'm hacky, but just amazing to when I think back to the, you know, blowing on my cartridges and trying to get the Nintendo to work and these eight bit things and That's right. super Mario, like mind blown super Mario three was like, holy shit, you know, Tanuki Mario and what have you, but just to see where it's gone and what my kids understand is normal versus like, you know, what I was dealing with is this, it's, it's really incomprehensible. Like the idea of, I remember my wife's uh, family was big into World of Warcraft and we, we definitely had a, you know, a huge period where we had, you know, my, my brother-in-law and my you know, niece and nephew and there's like a crew of us that would play and just, I think at one point we had a gaming computer like this. It was just crazy to think of where things had, had gone. And so it's definitely, uh, it's really cool to, to, that you're involved with that also. Now you go to Seattle, you decide that you're going to get back into illustrating. You're going to use your music as kind of like your, you know, your muse to kind of get the juices going again. At what point or how do you come to team up with, you know, you know, some of these iconic musicians and doing posters for them or doing, you know, album art for them. What, what was that moment for? How did that come to be? Uh, yeah, it's a great, great question. I, well, first thing I'll say on that is never burn bridges, network as much as you can, because you never know who you know and who they know and how their career paths change. And, um, so, I mean, you know, that's kind of how I even got connected to my day job. But 
when it comes to a lot of this uh, music work and the gig posters, um, my old business partner and good friend, uh, Rob Ralfer, was, um, we had shut down our company. I moved out to Seattle and we were still working on stuff together in the background. And um, he ended up going and working for this company uh, that did a lot of entertainment stuff and eventually just went into basically m- making full-time um, tribute concerts, basically. So, and that's where things like the Johnny Cash poster and the Dear Jerry, the Jerry Garcia posters, these are these shows that they are putting together, which... Um, honored and paid tribute to these artists but if the artist was still alive they came and played those shows so it wasn't just like you know this small tribute concert with a bunch of random artists this was usually the artist was there were paying tribute to them in their career and um like just so it was having my friend and old business partner going to work for their for them he was just like you know, gave me a call and was like, Hey, I want you to, can you help me do some branding for this show? And, uh, you know, it started, it started a little bit of just like doing a logo and then maybe a t-shirt design. And we weren't at that time, we weren't even really doing like big, uh, silk screen posters or anything. So that was kind of the entryway into, you know, doing some more high profile stuff. Um, so the original Dear Jerry, uh, Jerry Garcia tribute show that I worked on with Blackbird Presents, that was obviously huge. I'm a huge Grateful Dead fan, and it was an awesome opportunity. And I look back at that thing now, and I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> I wish I could do it over. Um, you know, there's still things I l- love about it, but... Oh, and the interesting thing about that piece as an aside was because it was Jerry Garcia's family, there were skulls all over this piece. It had roses and skulls. And because it was Jerry Garcia specific, they had the foundation, uh, Jerry Garcia's foundation had me take out all the skulls, <laughs> which totally sucked because it was like, it was it really helped balance out the composition. And it was definitely on that like full Grateful Dead vibe. Um, anyway, so yeah, like that was, that was an awesome opportunity. I was really stoked to do it, but it, man, the poster sold out immediately and people didn't get them and some people got them stolen and they started emailing me cause I had it on my website. <laughs> like out of the blue, I just, I started getting like hundreds of emails from random people. I didn't get a poster at the show or somebody stole my poster. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> this is this is new. This is new to me. Um, right. So I, uh, yeah, I didn't really do like when I did gig posters for friends bands. You know, we just printed them for the show, and that was it. This was like the first time it kind of came into this like collectability realm that posters, gig posters, have, especially for bigger bands, but in touring bands. And so when I started getting emails from people like that, I was like, hey, this is this is interesting. This, um, maybe we're onto something here. And, and I, I didn't, I wasn't able to sell like my own versions of, or my own artist proofs of these particular shows 
or at least at that point I hadn't even thought about it. So I didn't have a contract for that kind of right. thing. But so I was just having to say, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't do it. But what the dear Jerry show did was it, somebody over at uh, universal music and uh, verve records um, saw it and reached out to Blackbird and said, can we uh, have the information for your artist who did that? And they were like, sure. So that's how I got connected with Universal Music. And I did a poster for uh, David Crosby. Um, yeah, it's a lighthouse, right? Oh, lighthouse. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's be- yeah. beautiful. W- which was super cool because eventually, like, I got, like, a signed copy sent to me from David Crosby. You know, um, I had that framed uh, on my wall. And <laughs> Nice. But yeah, which is very cool. You know, he's an icon of classic rock and, you know, still, still around making beautiful music. And so it's kind of cool to, and he's such a, he's such a weirdo. He's such a great weirdo. Like you hear his interviews now, like he's so weird. It's so great. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. You know, um, totally. But it was cool because like his, uh, his manager reached out to me then and said, Hey, David loves the poster. He wants to sell it on, on tour. I'm like, well, shit, cool, you know. So that's the kind of you know thing where um, it slowly started percolating a little bit there, and I just I've been able to continue to do work with uh, Blackbird for many years here, and you know, ten years, and we've done a lot of shows, and there's you know high profile, and I've just continued to push it more every time I've been trying to. You know, it depends on the artist, of course, but like I've tried to, you know, make them more like you would expect for a gig poster and and really push that envelope where when I first started, it was more like, let's make a logo first and then and then go and see if maybe we make a poster later. Where now I approach it like, well, what's the poster first? And then uh, you've probably seen on my site, but I have a lot of posters for a band called Supersonic Soul Pimps. And that is a local Seattle band. Um, My first week in Seattle, I met the uh, drummer. He was a bartender at a local bar that was near my apartment when I moved here. And he's like, oh, you're an artist? We need a a new logo for our band. (laughs) I'm like, what's your band? He's like, it's called Supersonic Soul Pimps. And I went, li- I went and listened to their stuff. I mean, it was, it's legit. They're really good. It's like, like a mixture of funk, hip hop, uh, metal, rock, um, all these like great elements infused in their style. It had this very like almost early Red Hot Chili Peppers vibe, you know, when, uh, when they were a little bit more funky and, you know, on that, on that realm. And I was like, and, and they'd been around in Seattle since the early 90s. So they had this lineage and I'm like, well, this sounds cool. So I just kind of got in with them and got to be really good friends with most of them. And, you know, they've always asked me to do their posters and some album art and pretty much let me have carte blanche, which is what you want as an artist to not get a lot of art direction. Um, So that, that also helped build out my like sort of portfolio of, uh, art posters um so and then uh again like 
thanks to Blackbird Presents and them involving me in doing all these posters, the uh, Ava brothers played quite a few of the shows that I'd done branding for and posters for. So the uh, second Dear Jerry show um, that they did was two night concert. Um, one was uh, just the Ava brothers with Warren Haynes. Um, and so they were kind of, they were kind of like the headliners. It was two nights. One night was, um, Jamie Johnson and Don was and Warren Haynes, Allison Krauss. And the second night was Avid brothers with Warren Haynes as like backup. Band they were, so the Avids were doing dead tunes. Jerry Garcia tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Ugh. So if you, so if you're into if you're into Jerry Garcia and the Dead and the Avid Brothers, yeah, check man. that out. Like um, I'm like I'm I'm like they, oh they, I gotta go find that right now. Yeah, because I mean that's like yeah our kids listen. You know we have a bedtime mix for the kids. They listen to Avids. We got to take them to Mountain Jam last summer, and they were like, Dad, it's just that like they were like it was Father's Day, and I'm holding my son and he's singing you know No Hard Feelings to me, and I was like. It, crying and when our young first was born oh, yeah. in the hospital we listened to ripple i mean american beauty probably like a thousand times i never uh, i've never yeah. seen jerry my wife has but you know i've seen all the other variations of my lifetime and i'm big into fish and that's one guy i think it'd be cool for you to draw with like the character like over accentuated is like trey the lead. you know he's he's a guy that's like through the through the years has had many uh interesting looks and so yeah i just yeah oh i didn't even know about that so i feel i feel like i'm not doing doing my homework but that that sounds awesome so i will be uh i will be youtubing yeah, and looking that up yeah yeah and i i have the poster up on my website so you, mm-hmm. can, you can see that and it and it was since they called it dear jerry too because it was kind of the second iteration of the first dear jerry concert they did they they i riffed off of the similar vibe of the first poster didn't mm-hmm. change the formula so much but i made it i was able to like say oh shit all those things i didn't like about the first one well, here's my opportunity to up the ante and i really liked how it came out and now i look at it a couple of years later and i'm like ah, crap i could have done his jerry face so much better you know but i think that's no, i think i think you do a great but, job the perfect the nose rest glasses look with the you know the smile you know the you know you probably get drawn in some black sweatpants or something like that, but you know, I think that you know he's. <laughs> it's a good one. You got Tiger. You know, I think in the first one, right? I think yeah, I think you did it. You know, you did it justice, and it kind of has like a you know the trippy multi-layer look to it with the you know the background roses tiled uh, to it. So yeah, yeah, I think it was the Barclays yeah. Ava poster, and I, like to your point of like the crazy poster fans. Like I, we tried to get it; it sold out while we were there. But um, we've had a few artists who've done stuff and. Uh, I'm trying to think. We had like Tall Boy and Matt Lunig and um, Drew Millward, and, and who's in the UK, who've all done fish posters. And they said yeah. like the whole thing you're saying about how like people track you down and find you. Um, it's it. I mean, I'm just gonna be frank. They're. I mean, I'm, I've been. I've seen them a ton, but like, I mean, relatively. But like, the poster crew is fucking crazy. People think beer feet people are nuts, like waiting out for beers. Like the poser folks yeah. will, like it's a whole, it's a whole subculture of like music fans. So yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I the I still get emailed about that Barclays Brooklyn Ava Brothers poster today. People are always like, oh, "Are you going to do another run?" And that's not how it works, man. It's a limited run for the show, mm-hmm. and I got my artist proofs, and I I put my artist proofs up for sale, 
they go on sale at a certain time and within five seconds they're all sold out yeah i think it was like you like like a five or ten percent of the run and you get to keep that and sell yourself like the whole yeah this is whole like and that's it like if you're doing another run and then everything you like it just it negates the whole contract it's great yeah it's crazy right and it also you know it it lessens the the collectability and the and that's you know what's what's important to people including myself you know but i have to i I always save one poster for myself and maybe one or two in case somebody gets lost or damaged and but almost i almost you know i'm just taking a risk when i send these posters out but you know it's uh but that you know just to go back to like how like you know these kind of evolved in like getting you know one poster leads to the next like the ava brothers you know after the willie nelson show uh they reached out to blackbird and said hey man we really like the artist you've been using for the last couple of shows we played would you mind if we reached out to them um and typically you get called from like a manager or an email or something. It's super business oriented. And one day I'm just sitting at my uh, computer and this email comes up from Scott Avid. And I was like, what, what is this? You know? Um, so it was really cool because, you know, he's an amazing artist himself. Right. Yeah. And uh, so to have him like reach out to me directly, not his management and, you know, like, be a fan of my work was incredibly humbling still is and i'm i'm incredibly honored but it's it's just a mat it's just it's a testament to the fact that artists support artists and that we're not all like it's important that we're inspired by other music and art and that also like i i always believe that you know it's like it's it is marketing and branding in one sense but you know you can help a band develop their recognizability through the work that you do and you te- you can help tell their story you know it's oh yeah we've all looked at album arts you know album art for the, from the dawn of album art creation is you know could be the life or death of a a band but it's it not always but you know really it's it's kind of like beer man you know the, if the label's really cool you pick it up if the beer tastes like shit you don't buy it again right but yeah you might, you might be swayed to buy you might be swayed to buy an album because it has cool album art and then if you don't like it you don't listen to it anymore but yeah yeah i mean so if you was, look back yeah if you of, look back at some of the great albums of all time i mean i mean obviously if the, if the music's amazing you know you can deal with shitty art but i mean even just i don't know from sergeant peppers you know, even the white album right which just being like all white was such a bold move and you know if you look at the work of pink right. floyd um you know, their albums were just incredible and I don't know. I think American Beauty is one of the most beautiful album covers of all time. And you have, you know, the modern day with Radiohead, yeah. the work they've done. And it just really, te- I, I agree completely. You know, we've heard folks say that, you know, uh, beer labels are kind of like the modern day, you know, album covers. And I kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's, it, it penetrates as much, but I still think it's a cool way to look at it. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I really, uh, I really love it. And so, well, uh, yeah. But you see, like you, you mentioned Matt Lunig, you know, and 
he's just down in Portland here and uh, we've talked a few times cool guy but he's done beer labels and coffee labels and mm-hmm. um there's an illustrator i think he's in i think this illustrator um is in amsterdam his name is matthew hacker i think is his name he does uh, a lot of gig posts some really oh uh, cool uh, um, michael michael hacker who's he does labels for dogfish or, yeah yeah we've had him before yeah. he's a, he was amazing yeah uh, he, yeah he's he's awesome and his like his sense of humor and his like, yeah. character design is he's like super yeah. but you know right to have that kind of like you're getting more gig posters on cans it's super cool you know yeah he did record it, store day so. for dogfish he did that and then he did that's right the more the 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 current version of uh their american beauty beer uh which with all the dancing that's beers right. i was at a, a fun funny that's story right. i was at a we had just spoken. It was like a week. I mean, we do the interviews and these don't go live for, you know, depending two to six weeks. And so we had just spoken like earlier in that week and I was at the Atlantic City Beer uh, uh, beer Festival Conference, whatever they call it. And Dogfish had a table and they had American Beauty and it was it was delicious. And they all the staff were wearing these awesome uh, American Beauty Grateful Dead shirts and they like had like it was very like homage to the old style and it was like kind of a you know the, the center one and it, it circled out with all the different bears and you know that was one of his designs and they were completely blown away that I knew like who did that and I said do you have any more of those I said can I buy one you know I just you know I told them the story and they said I'll trade you the shirt you're wearing and I was I don't even know what I was wearing and I started to take off my shirt I was like cool done and the guy was like, you're serious? I'm like, yeah, it's Michael Hacker. He's da, da, da. And they're like, how do you know that? And the guy went in the back and was like, we have one. He goes, here you go. It's a little bit big, but, you know, here, you know, you can have it. You seem to really care. I was like, I, I, the, the beer fest was awesome. And I was probably, you know, several points deep. But I was like, fuck, yeah, I got this shirt. You know, I was, I was so psyched about it, you know, because like. I, That's awesome. Yeah, because like the dead's always been, you know. Yeah. I've always been to those. And so it was like, that was like, all right, cool. All my worlds are coming together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, Michael Hacker's was so cool. Love it. So. Oh, that's so great. Um, and so we, you know, you did mention beer labels. Uh, you know, you have done some work for uh, Bellevue in the in the in the past. You know, what was, you know, that those those are a little little more uh, subdued. You know, they're very detailed, but they're a little more. You know, they're nature based designs. So how did that kind of come to be? Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of going back to like early days of me moving to Seattle. Um, I had done a lot of like fake, fake beer labels for my friends when they turned like 30 or, and then they started turning 40 and I would make like 40 ounces. You know, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, so 40 was a pretty common thing, but you know, it was, it was kind of also a fun way to like make a, a little caricature or a fake label and we'd cut it out and glue it on, you know, uh, an old Mickey's white mouth or Valentine's or Colt 45 or something and give it to him. So it was always kind of thought that was a fun g- a gag gift. Um, and we had a, t- we had a tap in our office in Brooklyn for our graphic design company. And so we made our own brew, um, you know, whatever, we put whatever beer, we wanted in the keg but we made our own tap handle so so i had a couple of these like beer labels and stuff that were kind of fake for fun um i was really into it and i met somebody uh 
at at a bar out here in Seattle in the first couple months I've been here. And he was like, Oh, a friend of mine is thinking about opening a brewery out in Bellevue. I should hook you up with him. And so that kind of like, uh, started that conversation. And I, I met with, uh, the guy, John, who was the founder of Bellevue Brewing Company. And he, uh, He's just like, yeah, I'm I'm in real estate, but I'm just kind of want to get out of it. I'm born and bred in Seattle and Bellevue, and Bellevue, to, Seattle has tons of breweries, like an oversaturated amount of breweries, and I think it'd be cool to bring this kind of blue collar work ethic and beer back to Bellevue, and Bellevue had kind of grown into this more clean, affluent uh, city, you know, and so he wanted to kind of bring back the the roots of uh, Bellevue and uh I thought that was cool I was like yeah man I'll help you I'll you know we can we can jam and make some logos and whatnot and he uh so we kind of kind of bopped some ideas back and forth over the course of I don't know a year or two and until he finally was fully up and you know serious like started getting a tap room and places to put his 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 barrels and whatnot but um so it took some time, but it was like we had kept in contact. And in the meantime, he went off and had like a friend of his do a logo that was, you know, not great. Um, so it was kind of, and then when he came, when we finally reconnected, it was like I was kind of stuck with this old logo. And he had very specific like vision for the labels and you know as much as i would have at the time probably loved to push a little bit more psychedelic or fun um you know like my gig poster sound now he was like i want to keep it more about like the pacific northwest and so i totally was down with you know whatever you know his vision was because it was his baby and i was definitely happy to do that you know and so so the early days kind of a little bit more like illustrations of mountains and you know, a little bit more, uh, I guess, traditional in the sense that way. So, but I mean, it was super cool to like start seeing my art on the shelf, you know, and, and the beer, and the beer was delicious. So, I mean, it, it, that, that obviously was important. I'm like, if I guess if I'm going to do beer labels, you know, it's gotta be good beer. So, and their, their beer is outstanding. So it was, that was, you know, uh, uh, important aspect of that so you know we, we we tried a bunch of different things over the years but you know he was also really into music and uh loved pink floyd and so we did some more psychedelic themed posters for events for the brewery and for their founders club um kind of stuff but it wasn't going directly on the labels the labels were always a little, just a little bit more conservative, which was which was cool because mm-hmm. we were, you know, having fun having fun on the side, right. some of the stuff that wasn't, you know. So um, yeah, it was it was definitely uh, like a super chill and fun uh, brewery to work for and do and do some designs for. And like I said, it's always awesome to see your work on the shelf and and take it home and, and drink some. And then they also did a, they had like a short-lived uh, uh, partnership with a local classic rock station. So we did a couple like cross promos for their branded 
their brand mixed with Bellevue Brewing and it got a little bit more trippy and fun, but, um, but yeah, I mean, over the years, I just, I, I didn't really have as much time to do it, you know, with my day job. And also I've been doing more and more good posters. So, um, when we got, uh, another graphic designer who's super talented and done a lot of brewing, uh, brewery work out here. Uh, and he, he started doing like more of the day-to-day stuff like menus and sell sheets and, you know, the, the stuff that I definitely didn't have time to do. And, uh, you know, it's, at some point it was just easier to kind of hand off the, the torch and let me get back to focusing on my art and also my day job. So but it was, it was definitely, you know, a great experience and, um, I'm still in contact with those guys and, and, and still drink their beer often so that's great it was super cool now your your career is taking you you know doing some really you know stuff you love and uh you know your love of music i i can feel it and i we share a lot of the same probably playlists and what have you but um just kind of i always kind of i don't know this is just thinking out loud is your you know we all have a life list or you know bucket list um you know is there, is there projects or or things that you like you hope that you know your your path will take you that you get to do is there anything that you're like oh it'd be fun to to work on something like that or any and is there any creative kind of uh you know bucket list that you have garrett oh yeah absolutely i mean it could you could start with the fact that like i make a list of of bands that i want to do work for i mean we could start there and that you know bands like I mean, Led Zeppelin's never getting back together and um, John Bonham's dead, but that would be like, you know, that would be the, that's a dream, you know, more than a bucket list item, but, you know, somebody like Zeppelin or uh, I've always been a fan of the Pixies, like they're still touring. It would be cool to do work for them. Um, I was going to do some work for the Black Keys this year. Um, they're not, yeah, they're on top of my, like, but, We've seen a lot of concerts. They're they're at the top. I haven't seen them yet, and I was going to try to see them on this tour before. You know, they're, well, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're amazing live, and they're from Akron, Ohio, which is you know kind of cool to have a band. They you know they don't live there anymore, but <laughs> same as me. You know, you, you you don't forget your roots, but get get the hell out of there. But yeah, they're great, and I was I was hoping to do some work for them. Um, but everything's kind of you know up in the air. They're not touring, but. Uh, but yeah, it would be, be amazing to do some work for the other ones or, you know, some of, some of the dead projects that are still going before those guys start checking out. Um, yeah, dead and company kind of, and Phil and friends are ones I think. Yeah. Those yeah. would be great. Yeah. The team up oh, yeah. or Phil, Phil and friends and dead and company would be, would be great. You know, there's, that would be, uh, that would be definitely a bucket list for, for bands. And I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a bazillion more. And I like punk bands and things that I'm I'm totally cool with uh, you know, doing some stuff for smaller name bands. Yeah. I would like to see I would like to see uh, some sort of some sort of uh mural, like a like a music venue or just something with like your music uh you know, artwork. I think that'd be kinda cool, even just like, you know, cherry picking some of the, the greatest hits that you've done and just like I think that would be, you know, a venue having, you know, your you know these faces up on a, on a wall or, or what have you uh so yeah my my cool well, thing yeah, i think you, that would 
Yeah. Well, you have Scott Avett, and I love them, and my wife loves them, and so she's uh, she was geeked out. And I told her I was talking, you know, talking to you. Um, so you, you you got a fan, but my my probably my coolest rock and roll moment is like I, I've told folks before. I've managed a band and did radio and tried to you know make a career out of it. But uh, I helped promote a show for Arthur Lee of Love at the Beacon Theater, and Robert Plant reached out to the woman who was putting it on, who I knew, um, and asked if he could be a part of it. And so we got to go to his rehearsal, right, the first day. And then the second day, he was playing at the Beacon. And I joked, the, the little introduction, Garrett, was, hey, Robert, I want to, this is someone, Robert, this is AJ. AJ, this is Robert. And, like, I was like, I don't, oh, you know, we, we handshaked and, like, whatever. And uh, Ryan Adams was there. And it was just, like, this surreal, you Whoa. know, life moment. It was like, oh, AJ, nice <laughs> to meet you. And I was like, 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 I didn't know who he was, you know. And he was, like, super chill, down to earth. I remember we tried to. You know, he was done rehearsing for the day and he wanted to go back to his uh, hotel and everyone's like, oh, we got to get him a car. We should we get him a limo, whatever. And he was just like, I, I was watching it because I was like low tier in the, in the production. And he was just like, fuck this. And he went outside of the studio, like whistled down a cab, jumped in like a yellow cab in Manhattan and just like drove off into the sunset. It was amazing. That's amazing. Ah, very cool. Yeah. I mean, so, and, that's, I mean, when I was at the Willie Nelson concert, I'm hanging out backstage and everybody's there. I mean, it's, you got the Ava brothers, you got Willie and it's, and it's Lucas Nelson walking around, Chris Christopherson. Like I sat next to Chris Christopherson to watch Willie rehearse earlier in the day. And I'm like, this is insane. And um, just all these guys, I mean, Lou Harris was there and, uh, uh, the list went on and on. Nathaniel Ratliff, you know, he's awesome. Oh, he's great, George yeah. George Jones. And they're just, you know, he's just kind of walking around. I just decided to leave the majority of them alone unless I was introduced to them. Because, um, you know, they're just, they're doing their thing. But it was just, it's insane to like kind of be hobnobbing with these kind of people. And I, was, I, I did talk to Dave Matthews only because he lives in Seattle and not too far away from where I live now. So basically you know like hey man we're neighbors what's up neighbor yeah and yeah and laugh but i wasn't like hey i'm your biggest fan and i was just like hey you know hey, we're neighbors and he was like oh that's cool but uh you know i think some of the other like bucket list items for me beyond like just the music stuff is i've been working on a comic for a few years with a buddy of mine we're very close to done i'd love to you know finish that and have it see the light of day um, I've always, always wanted to do children's books. And even since I was like 18 or something, you know, and earlier, I knew that it, that would be something I'd like to do. So I think, you know, my kids are getting older, but I think, you know, regardless, that would be something I'd like to, you know, check off the list of creating and, and publishing a children's book. So, you know, a comic, a children's book. You know, those those kind of things just to whether they do well or, or actually get published, you know, there's Kickstarters and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that would be definitely on on the list. That's awesome. Yeah, if we can help in any way with that. And that leads us to our, our last question with given your uh, array of, of musical uh drawings and what have you we always ask um it's kind of a combo so like when you're creating are you listening to music and you know what what are some of your your favorite artists and I, know, I know you've mentioned a few of them so far but 
Um, just kind of uh, what's like the you know what's the the vibe like when you're creating Garrett? Oh man, put me on the spot. <laughs> you know, it's like walking into a record store, which I still do. You know, I still buy vinyl. Um, you know, and then forgetting all the bands that you wanted to get that week. Um, yeah, I mean, music and art to me go hand in hand. There's at, there's never a time when I'm drawing that I'm not listening to music. It's kind of it's kind of that. The beauty of being an artist to me is that you can you can have that kind of distraction. It's a it's a perfect. It's not a distraction. It complements it. You know, like if I were doing accounting or something, I I know when I try to do my own bills, like <laughs> pure pure quiet. You know, so being able to zone out and listen to music and draw for a couple hours that's pure heaven, man. So um, you know, it, it, it's hard to list some of my favorites beyond, you know, of course, Grateful Dead and a lot of classic rock. I also love punk rock and big clash fan. I like the uh, shoegaze genre. So bands like My Bloody Valentine, and, uh, Slow Dive and those kind of bands. Cause there's something really cool about the droniness of that. That I think also helps, you know, when you're an artist to, for me at least kind of zone out. So there's a lot of post-rock bands like that, like Mogwai, and, um, but, you know, and I like a lot of indie rock kind of stuff, Modest Mouse and Built a Spill, and it's kind of bands that were pivotal to me in the late 90s, early 2000s in New York that I would go see, and, you know, I can always go back to, I can always go back to Zeppelin, I can always go back to Nirvana. Um, I also love Motown and jazz and funk. So I, I play a little bit of bass poorly, but you know, I always like to listen to Curtis Mayfield and like, you know, old and Marvin Gaye and old funk albums and even earth, wind and fire and some of that kind of stuff. Cause mm -hmm. you know, you can really zone out on the, the funk or zone a dance too, you know, but yeah. so, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of good music. I believe, you know, that we all, it's all part of telling the story. Blues, obviously, B.B. King, I'm a huge fan, and Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters. So I like to, you know, you just go where the story takes you at the moment. And, um, you know, like, I tend to draw, I'll, I'll listen to the band I'm drawing, you know, to be in the in the zone for sure. You know, that helps, you know, infuse that little bit of personality in the right way because it would be kind of weird to listen to some you know droney shoegaze while you're doing tom petty drawing or something so <laughs> you gotta you gotta pick the right <laughs> you gotta pick the right tune but yeah those those are some just some of my favorites you know yeah it's a tough it's it's probably one of the tougher questions at least for me it is it's always like well i usually just pull up spotify and be like i will ask you know 10 artists i listen to and if uh I think for you, if you're, you know, with right. the, your appreciation of Avids, there's a band called Camp, and it's with two A's that you should check out. They have a similar kind of, uh, you know, vibe to to them. It's a little different. They're from like I think they're from West Virginia, cool. but yeah, check that out. Yeah, and check uh, out. last question that was supposed to be last, but I was just thinking of it, given you know your your career, would you? Do you have any advice for somebody who's maybe just getting started? You know, I think that right early on, I think the support of your father and your family. I think that was really inspiring and helped to, you know, to, to push you to, to realize that you could, you know, 
that you should go for what you love. But, you know, do you have any advice for somebody, you know, who's thinking about going into, you know, art or graphic design or just kind of, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, you know, obviously having good support early on made a big difference, but it's, it's knowing that you like to do it and knowing that there's always going to be somebody better than you or, you know, with a different style than you. And it's, it's really hard this day and age because of the internet. There's so many artists, you know, out there and there's, and they're showing their work and there's so many different venues to show off art and you get connected to people and artists worldwide and it can kind of be cumbersome and maybe even a little dejecting at times, but that's where the fun comes in. It's like, get inspired, get fueled, you know, look at, look at other artists, um, and grow and, um, be inspired and, you know, don't copy necessarily just get inspired and grow. And the thing for me was just to continue to like, I I just turned 43, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started, you know, and it's okay. Like there's still, like, I, I want to continue to grow and hone my skills even more every day. You know, I, like I was saying earlier, like I look back at work I did just a few years ago and I'm like, ah, wish I could redo that. And that's part of your journey, but it's, it's easy to kind of, you know, lose faith or find it hard. But, you know, I draw every day and it's, it's like learning, you know, you might, maybe there's some inherent talent in there somewhere but you know practice you know you can be like learn your instrument is is key like I've, I've gotten better you know over the years by just continuing to practice and you know my my painting skills have declined because I haven't practiced but you know I still know that I can do it I can I can relearn and I can hone skills and get better so it's just perseverance like don't give up keep honing your skills and and that's that's my primary piece of advice all right i agree right i mean uh we're, we're about we're all the same age um thankfully you're a little bit older than me that doesn't really happen very often so i appreciate that uh, garrett <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'll be yeah i'll be 42 in a, I'll like be, a kid, man. yeah i'll be 42 in a couple months and i'm still like yeah i'm still a hot mess but uh no i just think that you know you know there's never been a better time just to you know, you were saying before, it doesn't get printed or published or whatever, just doing what you love. And, you know, that's why we do this to, to celebrate people like you and stories and hopefully inspire others and just kind of, uh, you know, I think it's just really, you know, art's a beautiful thing and it's really powerful. And so I think that what you're doing is, is great. It's obvious how much you love it. And I just, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. You know, part of me is like, oh, I'd love to have you draw me. But then I'm like, oh, what would he accent on my face? That would like, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Like my wife always <laughs> says I have like a beak nose. So I don't know. I'd like a, like a fucking, I don't know, like a, I don't know what kind of bird I would be. But yeah, it's just kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a big fan of your work. And I hope that, uh, you know, people, like I said before, you should check it out. It's Garrett, uh, you know, Moreland uh, Art on uh, Instagram, Garrett Moreland.com. The store, there's some great, you know, pieces up there. You should, you should go and support support your local uh artists and just uh like i said it's just it's just great stuff you're doing i can't wait to see what what comes up next and uh just wanted to you know just thank you for being a part of this it really means a lot to me oh thank you man it's uh been a true honor and i really appreciate all the 
the support and kind words. It's uh, it's my passion, and it's, and it's nice to be uh, given some props once in a while. You know. Yeah, so, well, uh, I got I got many more to you, give you, my you. friend, and I look forward to whenever <laughs> this whenever this next ends and. You know, having some uh, having some beers in 3D, and you know, listen to some uh, listen to some Jerry, and uh, you know, having a good time. Yeah, man, sounds great. All right, have a great one. Again, uh, we'll be in touch. But uh, if there's anything we can do to support, you know, you're part of the family and part of the crew now. So, uh, like I said, thanks so much, Garrett, and uh, we appreciate you for for being a part of this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right, man. Be safe. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. have it folks another great episode of this 16 ounce canvas episode 159 this is part of season 14 we've got about three more episodes left and then we'll be in the middle of season 15 which would take us probably through if i do my calculations close to november and then we're going to look to do something special for the 16th season of the 16 ounce canvas as we mentioned last week we're really proud to be the managing director of beer culture Please make sure you follow along with uh, our initiatives, our adventures, what we're doing for the community. That's beer, like you drink, culture, but with a K because we're changing and mixing things up. You may know beer culture as a you know a brand, you know, be the change, making the local you know communities more reflective of you know the members in it, um, the you know the beer communities, you know the breweries, the staff, the tap rooms, and so you know we've known. Tisha and you know Dooch and the crew over there for for a while now, and as we mentioned, you know now they're have formed a, a nonprofit, and we were proud to you know we were just proud to put our application in. It just really meant a lot to us that we were able to you know show something and show how it is impacted. And I say this with uh, the truest amount of pride. It's impacted me and made me a better person. It's made me a better man and a better father. And, you know, we're just getting started. And I'm just, you know, really proud to be part of the, of the crew. Uh, also, uh, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but uh, this is at the end of the episode, kind of the end of the reel, so we'll see. But uh, we're teaming up with, uh, with Hoax and Front Porch Brewing, uh, who we're, we're brewing out of the Beerics, but we'll be doing uh, our version of Black is Beautiful, which is a collaboration beer, kind of open source from... Uh, the crew over at Weather Souls, and uh, we'll be finalizing where the proceeds will be going, uh, but 100% of the proceeds will be, you know, going to the community to impact change and support those who are against uh, police brutality and, you know, the, the unfair treatment of our brothers and sisters of color locally and nationally, worldwide, earth, everywhere. And so really, you know, really proud of that, you know, and also really excited that uh, we're able to you know, spread the word, you know, and share that also another great brewery that we've, you know, supported their artist, Hog River is doing it. They're teaming up with our friends over the craft crew. Uh, they'll have some more details for that in coming days or weeks, but we're really blessed. We're really appreciative. We're really humbled and we're just really, you know, we thank you for being a part of this and we'll continue to do our part to, you know, highlight these great artists their journeys their stories and hopefully there's something that you can take away from it and we're gonna do whatever we can to make an impact locally and also nationally just to kind of uh i don't know 
just to be better humans, to make the world a better place. That's what art does. But we uh, we have to fight a little bit harder, and uh, we have to start somewhere. We have to start sometime. It's a great line, right? What better place than here? You know, what better time than now? And this music bed that we're listening to, it's uh, we were able to find it, which is awesome. It's uh, the Once and Future Carpenter from the Ava Brothers. It's a song that I love very much. Uh, it's a song that I've sang to my children or just kind of hummed it before bed uh and just when it comes on i just love the the stories that it tells and just kind of uh the imagery that it, you know the pictures that it paints for me so i thought we just kind of tie everything together you know with that but one of the lyrics that are my favorite um are at the, kind of near the end of the song and it says my life is but a coin pulled from an empty pocket dropped into a slot with dreams of sevens close behind Hope, I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to do it. Hope and fear go with it, and the moon and the sun go spinning like the numbers and the fruits before my eyes. Sometimes I hit, sometimes it robs me blind. Sometimes I hit, sometimes it robs me blind. Until next week, my friends, we're all blessed. We're here together, all about perspective, but we're thankful. And we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you next week. Be safe, my friends. And yes, wear that fucking mask. Or multiple masks. Like have a whole have a whole like kind of thing. Like, you know, your Monday mask, your Tuesday mask. You also have to wash them, right? Like the whole thing. But we love you. Please keep in touch. One six OZ Canvas. We're out.